Wasn't that a beautiful song? Thank you, Taylor, for that. There are times in our lives when God has another plan. But one thing we can be assured of, his plan is always better than our plan, right? And he directs us and guides us, and he knows everything about the timing and everything in our lives. Shall we just open in a word of prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we pray for our brother Dave Thompson today. We pray that you'll be with him in this pain that he's having, that it won't be anything serious, and that you will raise him up, Lord. We thank you for all the wisdom that he has and the great blessing he is to all of us. And we pray now that you will teach us from your word, Lord. Help us to look to you in every way and pray that you will hide me behind the cross and speak through your word and pray that it will come alive to us individually. In Jesus' name, amen. The last time I spoke, I spoke on the subject of life lessons from farmers. And we talked about how the farmers worked very hard. They were hard workers. They had uh, patience. And they depended on God fully for putting the food that we eat on the table and feeding the world. And farmers are a blessing. And just between that time I spoke... Gloria went back to her family farm, and she was back there, and farmers, they are a blessing to us. Well, today is part number two, which is life lessons from athletes. Athletes can teach us also many different lessons on the Christian life. The Christian life is a marathon race. It's not a sprint, and all of us are in it as believers to win, to obtain a imperishable crown, Paul said. And so he wants us to follow these, these lessons. Personally, I hold athletes in great revere, uh, whether they're Olympic athletes or professional athletes. And I especially like sometimes on ESPN, they have stories about people that are challenged, you know, in their life. They have different issues physically, and yet they put out full effort Yesterday, I was watching one on television, and the coach was a junior varsity football coach who had no arms and no legs. And some of the, there was one player who didn't want to play. He said, I, I don't know if I want to play for a coach that has no arms and no legs. But he was a great coach, a great motivator, a great teacher, and he led his team way beyond expectations. And it was a fantastic program on ESPN. And in the days of the early church, Paul traveled all over the ancient world, and he was familiar with the athletic contests that went on, whether it was in running or wrestling or boxing or whatever it happened to be. And he learned many lessons from these athletes and how they put forth such great effort in their competitions. In 1981, a movie came out that won Best Picture, won the Oscar for Best Picture, and it was entitled Chariots of Fire. And that movie became my favorite movie, and is still today, of all the movies, my favorite one. And it tells the story of Eric Little, who was a Christian athlete who competed 
in the sprints, in the 100 meters, in the 200 meters. And he competed all along for Great Britain. And then come 1924, he competed in the Paris Olympics. And this story of chariots of fire carries a parallel story. There were two men. One was Eric Little, who was a Christian, who ran for the Lord and for the glory of God. And then there was Harold Abrams, who was a Jewish man, who ran for himself, for his coach, he hired a professional coach, and for his country. He also won an Olympic gold medal in that Paris Olympics in 1924. I don't believe he would have won had Eric Little ran against him, but Eric refused to run on Sunday as a Christian. He said, that is the Sabbath. I will not do it. And these races were scheduled to be on Sunday, the preliminary rounds and semifinals and so forth, going into that race. And yet, his coach tried to convince him to run. No, I will not run. His king, the king of England, talked to him to convince him to run on that Sunday race. He wouldn't do it. But one of his teammates gave up his position in the 400 meters, and Eric had a chance to run that race. Now, he had never run that race ever before. It was longer than he was used to running. When you're a 100-meter runner and that's your specialty, it's very hard to go up to the 400 meters, and that's exactly what he did. And in trusting God, he ran that race, and before the race, one of the athletes handed him a note that said, God honors those who honor him. And he went on to win that race. And not only did he win the race, but he set a new record. And it was so inspiring as you saw that movie. He went on to not only run that race, but he ran the race for the Lord too. And he was a missionary in China. And he gave his life for the Savior, winning souls to Christ and being a blessing. And that's what God wants us to be. He wants us to be in the Christian race to obtain that imperishable crown, that blessing of the Lord, and win the race. Today we're going to look at three things. Number one, athletes must have endurance. Secondly, athletes must have self-control in all things. And number three, athletes must compete according to the rules. I love how it says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. It's not easy being a runner. It's not easy to develop endurance. But as you develop that endurance, you get stronger. Your muscles get stronger. You get used to going longer and faster. Yesterday I was driving over into in, Danville and I saw this man coming up this hill. And I'd never seen this before. He ran up so fast up that hill. I think he was trying to build his endurance by running hills. 
I grew up in hills over in El Cerrito. They call it El Cerrito, which is the little hill. It's not a little hill. It's a big hill. There's big hills in El Cerrito. And it does help you develop your endurance when you run up those hills, just like in the Christian life. The trials that God gives us helps us to develop endurance so that we can handle the next trial that comes along or the multiplicity of trials that sometimes come upon us. We need that endurance. We need to keep going. We need not to quit, but keep pressing on. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 36 says, For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. We have need of endurance. And I think if I ask you to raise your hand, I won't ask you to do it. But if I ask you to raise your hand, that would be something you say, I need endurance. I raise my hand. I need endurance. Especially the older I get, the tougher it gets. The aches and pains come along more. You have more difficulty doing things. Things that you did, did as a younger person that was so easy, you didn't even think about it. Now you have to not only think about it, but you can't do it the same way anymore. You can't run as fast or walk as fast. You can't do a lot of things you used to do. But we need to have that kind of endurance. A story was told about how many different people have tried to climb Mount Everest. It's the tallest mountain in the world, and it's so difficult. And so many have tried and failed. And some of them never came down from the mountain. They tried to climb up that mountain. They got up only so far, and they died there on that snow-covered Mount Everest. The first successful attempt of climbing Mount Everest was in 1953. And there was a man named Mallory and his friend who made a final dash to the finish but failed. And they today lie somewhere buried in those eternal snows on that mountain. They failed in spite of their tremendous determination, intrepid courage, and the discipline of long training and personal sacrifice of money and life to reach the highest point on the highest mountain in the world. When one of the parties having returned to London, who had made an attempt and not made it, didn't die, but he went back to London, was giving a lecture, and behind him was a magnificent picture of Mount Everest. And as he concluded his address, he turned around and described the mountain thus. We tried once to conquer you and failed. We tried again and you beat us. But we shall yet beat you, for you cannot grow bigger, but we can. So many times there are Mount Everest in our lives to climb that God wants us to climb. And if he wants us to climb a mountain, he'll give us the strength to get to the top of that mountain. Spiritually speaking, we should always challenge ourselves to have that endurance, to build that endurance. Nowadays, they have an endurance test called the Ironman Triathlon. Have you heard of that, Ironman Triathlon? It's very tough. Mark Muser, who came to our church for a while, he runs these things quite often, the triathlons. But when you hear triathlon, 
That's always a tough one. But when you hear Iron Man, that's the toughest of all. It's three endurance contests in a row. First of all, they start off by swimming 2.4 miles. Now, I, don't th I couldn't do that myself, even that one. But then that's only the first leg of the journey. They come out of the water after 2.4 miles, and they get on the bike, and they ride 112 miles. That's endurance number two. And then after they finish swimming 2.4 miles, and, run, and then they bike for 112 miles, they conclude it with a full marathon of 26.2 miles for a total of 140.6 miles back to back to back. It's a tremendous thing. I think they're the most conditioned, disciplined athletes in the world are these triathletes who run in these events. But we as Christians should strive for endurance and we should be those who trust the Lord for his strength. Secondly, not only do athletes have endurance, but they also have to have self-control in all things. Paul tells the Corinthians, who were themselves familiar with athletic contests, because there was an athletic contest very close to Corinth where they were. And he writes to the Corinthians, he says in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 26, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things, for they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air Paul tells the Christians here that these athletes show an example of self-control. The word temperate in the King James and New King James Version is really the phrase exercises self-control. And athletes who compete at the highest level, especially at the Olympic level, have for years had to train and train and train. They, they start as little kids, sometimes five, sometimes six years old, to be athletes. And they have a dream of winning a gold medal, going to the Olympics, representing their country, winning at that level. A lot of athletes don't even win a medal when they go. But there are some who win multiple medals, and they, and they have tremendous self-control. And when you're an athlete, you can't eat whatever you want. You can't just drink whatever you want. You can't just sleep how many few hours you sleep. You have to be cognizant of every area of your life because everything is for that goal of winning and being an athlete. And it's so important to have that discipline, that self-control. And that's what the Lord wants us to have in our Christian lives as well to have that self-control. It's so important. It's one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit mentioned in, first, in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 23. As believers, sometimes we let the things of this world blind us 
to what's really important in life. We get so busy with work, we get so busy with school, we get so busy with hobbies and all kinds of things that in the light of eternity mean almost nothing. And yet the Lord wants us to stay focused on what really is important, and that is living for the Lord and serving Him. That is what's really important in life, to have that kind of self-control. When we studied a verse in Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 28 in the scripture memory class quite a long time back on the subject of self-control, we had this verse that says, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. And if you looked at a city broken down without walls, you can't live in a city like that. It's like a ghost town. People move out. We need to have self-control, self-discipline. Self-discipline. It's very, very important. During his term as president of the United States, Lyndon B. Johnson was once somewhat overweight. If you remember, President Johnson served after President Kennedy was assassinated, became president. One day, his wife challenged him with this blunt assertion. Dear, you can't run the country if you can't run yourself. Respecting Mrs. Johnson's wise observation, the president lost 23 pounds. So <laughs> she was challenging him to be more disciplined. And discipline is very important in life. I just saw something on the internet here recently that I caught my eye about Kelly Clarkson. And she's a very good singer and she appears on TV. Well, her producers came to her one day, the ones who organized the show and everything, Kelly, you got to lose some weight. This isn't too good for you on TV like this. You, so they came to her, said, you got to lose 30 pounds. You know what she did? Did she, did she pout? Did she say, no, I'm not going to do it. I quit. No. She lost the weight. And not only did she lose the 30, she lost 50, it said. She lost 50. And that's what self-control is about. In every area of our lives, we need to have that self-control. One day a wrestler said to his coach, can't I smoke and drink and have a good time and still wrestle? Well, his wise coach said this, yes, you can, but you can't win. And that's so true, isn't it? You can do just about whatever you want, but it's not going to work out. It's not going to be a winning effort unless you have the self-control. But when an athlete gives up something to gain something better, that is what self-control is about. And because they gave up their social life, they gave up their time so that they could get the rest and sleep they need, so they could eat the right foods and do these things, they end up winning the gold medal. They got it hanging around their neck. You think they're thinking about all the sacrifices they made? No. At that moment, they're just thrilled to have won. And it is so very important. One day, Paul had to rebuke the Galatians in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 7, a verse that really ties into this well. He says, you ran well who hindered you from obeying the truth. And when we're running for the Lord and we're in this great Christian race, we have to cast aside every weight and the sin which so easily 
ensnares us. I was thinking of that this morning. Uh, early this morning, I was thinking about that. And how there are things in our lives, bad habits, things that we do that we shouldn't do. We need to cast those aside. We need to put them off and put on that blessed new nature and, and serve the Lord. So not only do we need endurance, and not only do we need, like the athletes, and not only do we need self-control like the athletes teach us, but the third thing is athletes must comp compete according to the rules. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5, Paul writing to, the, to Timothy says, And also if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he is, competes according to the rules. This is very timely because there's a lot of cheating that goes on, even among athletes. They want to get ahead. They want to get faster. They want to get bigger. So what they do is they take performance-enhancing drugs so they can get the easier way to do it. Instead of doing it the old-fashioned way, going into the gym and pumping iron, what they do is they take the steroids and different other performance-enhancing drugs in order to circumvent that and get an easier way. They cheat. And cheating has become one of the big issues of our society today, not only among athletes, but among other people as well. And it's a very sad thing what goes on. And you know, in sports, they have fouls and they have penalties. And there's always punishment that goes with it. Now, if you have a minor one, like on a offside penalty in football or false start or something five yards, that's one thing. But if you get a major one, like a helmet-to-helmet -helmet hit, you can be disqualified from that game. You can be sent to the locker room and you can't play anymore. In soccer, if you get a yellow card, two yellow cards in the same game, right, Alex? Two yellow cards, what happens? You're out. You're dismissed. You're disqualified for that game. Or one red card. You don't want to see that red card ever because then you're out, out for that game too. In basketball, they have fouls like a flagrant foul, one or a flagrant foul two. And if you get a flagrant two, you're out. So there's different ways you can be disqualified from a game by breaking the rules. So athletes have to compete according to the rules. They can't cheat. They have to do it the right way. And that's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.27, But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. If Paul thought about being disqualified, the great apostle Paul, what about us? We don't want to be disqualified. We want to run the race the Lord has set before us with endurance and self-control, and we want to compete according to the rules. And for us as Christians, what are our rules? Our rule book is the Bible. We have to follow the Bible. Literally, verse by verse, book by book. And we need to be obedient to the Lord. But I, like I said, there's cheating going on in our society today. Students cheat on their tests to get higher scores. People lie on their tax returns all the time. They lie on their job uh, 
applications. There was a football coach for Notre Dame a number of years ago who lied on his resume, and they fired him. They fired him. There's consequences to it. Even parents are cheating. We had the cheating scandal where the parents got their students into these places that they, they shouldn't have gotten by cheating and paying, all, paying off this person to get the, them in to, and all kinds of things. And, and some of them served time in jail for it. It's amazing how even in our society that happens. Yes, God wants us to be honest and sincere. He wants us to be obedient to his word. When I was preparing this message, I thought back in my mind, back to the 1970s. The Boston Marathon was not a new race in those days, but it's been going on for a long, long time. But they had the women, the women in the race. And there was a lady who won the race that year by the name of Rosie Ruiz. I don't know if you remember hearing that name. Rosie thought she could circumvent the process and win the race. So instead of starting where the others started, she started about a mile from the finish line. And there she comes just as fresh. And boy, she was coming down that stretch and first place. And the cameras were going off and taking her picture. And, but they found out. They looked at the footage. They, I guess they had cameras back in those days, too. They could check things out. They didn't see her at mile one. They didn't see her at mile 10. They didn't see her at mile 20. In fact, they didn't see her until mile 25. They stripped her of her title. And she lived in shame and infamy ever since. And so it's not a new problem, but God wants us to be honest. Because you know what? Sometimes nobody else will find out about it. You can do something and you seem to get away with it. But with the Lord, you can't get away with it. He knows everything. He sees everything. And he wants us to compete according to the rule. So may the Lord help us to learn lessons from the athletes. Lessons of endurance. To keep going strong to the finish line. To not quit. We don't know how long we have to live in this world, do we? Because the Lord could take us at any time. The Lord could come at any time. He could, we could die at any time. So we want to keep running strongly to the finish line. That's what Paul did when he said, I have finished my race. Self-control is another thing we all need. It. We need to make sacrifices. We need to give up the things of this world to follow the things above. And we need to obey the rules, obey God's word in everything, from the smallest to the greatest. I found what was called the athlete's prayer. The athlete's prayer says this, God, let me play, but well fairly. Help me to learn something that matters once the game is over. Let the competition make me strong, but never hostile. Always let me help my opponent up. Boy, if that was practiced more. Never catch me rejoicing in the adversity of others. If I know victory, allow me to be happy. If I am denied, keep me from envy. Remind me that sports are just games. If through athletics I set an example, let it be a good one. Help us as Christians 
to be the examples of running the race to win, to obtain it. The last verse of the hymn that Gloria played for us and we sang this morning said that, Long as my life shall last, teach me thy way. Where'er my lot be cast, teach me thy way. Until the race is run, until the journey's done, until the crown is won, teach me thy way. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Our blessed Heavenly Father, we thank you for the lessons that we learned today from athletes. Lord, please help us to have endurance in our Christian life, to have self-control in all things, and to obey the rules, Lord. Obey man's rules, and especially obey your rules and your word, Lord. And we just pray that we will be good examples of that type of life. Lord, we know we all need it, and we just pray that you will help us to treasure your word in our hearts and meditate on it, Lord. And we just thank you and praise you. And if there's anyone here today that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, may today be the day they come to the cross and say, Lord, I have sinned, I need you, and come to accept Jesus Christ as the sacrifice of their sins. And we just pray that you will continue your work. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.